0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, August the 30th, 2022. It is currently 2.09 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I don't know how long you've been a Christian, so what I'm about to say may be somewhat new or foreign to you, but I think for most of us, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you understand that Christians have a superpower. Christians have a unique ability that mere mortals do not possess. Christians have a power that others could only hope to possess one day. I mean, we could. We there should be comic books about the power of Christians because we have a very, 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 very unique ability—a a supernatural power to take that which is common, that which is normal. Dare I say that which is fleshly, and with just. A few words, we can transform it into something actually spiritual, godly, and something you should desire, and something you should love, and something you should never speak negatively about let me give you an example. You may have, I don't know of this power. Some of you are like, what power is he referring to? I don't know of this power. Oh, trust me, you do. L- l- we'll start with one. I-, I wrote down a number of examples, but before we look at any of the examples that I have written down, before we look at any of them, let me just start with the one that I mention all the time. It always offends people, but that- that's okay. All right. On any Friday, Saturday, Uh, Any any day of the week, you may find the average person, the non-Christians, the mortals, those who do not possess said power, they may get together at a coffee house, they may get together Uh, you know, at a restaurant. They may get together in the backyard and do a barbecue, whatever. They get together and they just call it hanging out with friends, getting together. They may even refer to it as a party, right? But they just, it's just a bunch of people getting together, eating, talking about whatever. It's no big deal. But when Christians get together to do the exact same thing, maybe in the exact same locations, with the conversations being very, very similar in topic. Guess what? Dun, 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 dun! Christians don't refer to it as a party. Christians don't refer to it as simply a get-together. Christians don't refer to it as simply hanging out with friends. No. Dun, 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 dun! It becomes a fellowship. Fellowship. See, what we do is it, there's somehow a spiritual element to it. We transform it by calling it fellowship. See, now we're not just hanging out, we're having fellowship. Now, all we may actually do is shove food down our throats, talk about the weather, talk about our jobs, talk about our kids, who knows, talk about whatever. Very, 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 in many cases, almost no real spiritual content, but it's fellowship because, see, we're Christians. We can take the, the mundane and transform it into the divine, into the spiritual. Now, I know when I say that, people get annoyed with me, but I, I get annoyed by the practice, right? Because, oh, you need to, you what, what you don't want to hang out with people? Wait, are you antisocial? Are, are you an introvert? What is wrong with you? Well, maybe it's just you're hanging out talking about nothing. Maybe I don't have any desire to participate in that. Oh, 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 brother, there's something wrong with you spiritually oh oh there's something ungodly about you or maybe you you are pretending that what you're doing is something something of great spiritual significance when it's the same thing that the lost people across the street are doing you can take two houses side by side it can be the exact same evening as a Friday night seven o'clock. Both houses, a bunch of cars pull up, right? And one house are the Christians and the other house next door are the pagans and the ungodly. Everyone comes in, they order pizza, they hang out, they play board games, whatever. One one will say, oh, it was a sweet time of fellowship. And the other one's like, man, that was cool. That was fun. Thanks for having us over. Why is it that what we do, we've got to spiritualize it. We've got to pretend that it's something more godly. I don't understand this desire to dress everything up in some robe of self-righteousness. Let me give you some other examples that are sure to make some people mad. But let's just go through a number of them. For example, when I, I'll, I'll go to the, my church that I attended in Nebraska. Now, the church I attended in Nebraska, this was the first, the first Bible institute I went to, the first Bible institute that I graduated from where I was first ordained. Uh, so, so I have obviously lots of memories from this church, but they had lots of lots of rules, right? So if you were a Christian, you could not go to the movie theater. No, you could not listen to secular music. You could not. You could not play cards because that's all ungodly. But guess what you could do on a Saturday morning? You could wake up and you could get ready and you could be in front of your TV at about 11 a.m. where the college pregame starts and you could watch college football all afternoon into the late evening hours. And that was godly because sports, sports are godly. Why? Why? because while well, Paul used sports illustrations, right? He talked about running the race, he talked about competing to win the to, to win the prize. He he talked about it. So, because the Bible uses illustrations that seem to reference sports, well then guess what? Sports are okay. Movies? No. Music? No. Cards? No. Sports perfectly okay. Going to to the movie theater Saturday night, you're in sin. Sitting at home watching college football, you are in the spirit, don't we? We have some supernatural ability to take what we do and spiritualize it and say that it's good. It, that's the supernatural ab- ab- our supernatural ability and our supernatural power. No matter what we do, we can attach God to it and justify it and say, it's right, it's good. Oh, you want another example? Oh, oh boy, can I, can I, I don't know if I can say this one. Oh boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Should I say it? Someone tell me, someone right now, hurry up, jump in the chat and say, don't do it. Don't. I know what you're going to say. Don't. Stop. Stop. Okay, but I can can probably find a way to, to spiritualize it. But are you ready? Here's another good example. Lord of the Rings, godly, righteous, holy, spiritual, and you do not dare speak of a negative word of Lord of the Rings, or you're probably apostate and ungodly. Harry Potter, bad, ungodly, satanic, cannot watch it. You will, you will be thrown to the 18th level of hell. Lord of the Rings, spiritual. Why? Well, because it's a, it's a Christian allegory. It's a Christian metaphor. So all of a sudden, it becomes spiritual. Harry Potter, evil, ungodly, wrong. Why? Just because we like one, so we just, we have a way of attaching Jesus to it. Here's another good good one. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Godly, righteous, but wizards of Waverly Place on the Disney Channel. Ungodly, unspiritual. Do not watch it. See, So we have a way, we have the supernatural ability of taking what we like and it becomes godly. It becomes spiritual. It becomes something bigger than it is. It becomes something greater than it is. It becomes something of spiritual significance. I'll give you an example. Waking up at five in the morning. Where where Christian men won't wake up at five in the morning to do Bible study if you gave them a thousand dollars, okay? But they'll wake up at five in the morning when it's fifteen degrees outside, grab the rifle and some ammunition, and go out there to shoot Bambi or whatever. Going hunting? Oh no, no, no! Now, Now you should. You're you're in nature. God's nature god's creation and putting a bullet in god's creation is perfectly okay because well they 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 offered animal sacrifices we we have a way to turn that into something godly something spiritual no matter what we do we find a way to spiritualize it dress it up no matter what it is it's like we carry a robe of self-righteousness around like what what's what's the activity throw the robe on it see it's righteous it's godly and if you if you reject it or don't like it, or don't want to participate in it. There's something wrong with you. See, you're the problem. You're the issue. You're the issue. And let me then, now, all of those are examples. Let me lead to one that, again, I hear frequently. Lots of Christians love to go camping or to go hiking. Or take a vacation to, I don't know, see the forest or walk, walk the beach, or I don't know, do something outside. And the minute you criticize it, yeah, or like, wait, that's you spend a lot of money and a lot of time doing that. I'm enjoying, oh, you ready for it? God's creation. See, if lost people pack up, like I live here in Abilene, Texas, if, if lost people right now pack up grab the the rv they spend all the money for the rv all the money for all the equipment and they and they take off to the abilene state park and they're going to camp throughout the week into the weekend I, I don't know how many days you can stay i don't know how, how many days you can stay in the state park oh, but whatever they go and they're going to go camping now for them they're just going camping they like they like outside they like the outdoors but for christians we are enjoying god's creation we're enjoying God's creation. We spend all of this money and all of this time, and, 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 and we, we spend far more time doing that, and we have far more passion about that. But see, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Lost people go do it. It's, it's nothing. But for us, we're enjoying God's creation. It's weird how Christians have this supernatural ability. Now, I, I mention all of that because I want to I stop right there with the nature one. With creation. Is it possible? And it would be subtle. That while we claim that it's about God. That while we claim that God is the main thing. That in reality, we're just using God to justify our love for God nature our love for being outside our love for the great outdoors our love for the activities we, we we try to spiritualize it but God is simply an excuse for our idolatry our love our lust a misplaced affection for that which isn't God in other words we say it's about God but in reality nature, And and I'm just using this, I'm using nature as the illustration because it's going to fit with what I'm doing this afternoon. It's going to fit, it'll make sense. But you can just replace that with anything. It's so easy for us to say it's about God, but in reality, God is simply the excuse for us to, like, we say it's about God, but really it's about the idol of something else. We just use God to justify it, right? It's almost like creating an idol, and saying, This idol, this is the idol that brought us out of Egypt. This is God. Like, like we 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 want to still attach God to it, but it's just a form of idolatry. God is just the justifier. We use God to justify it, but really our affection, our desire is for this particular thing. We have a love for it, a passion for it, a zeal for it. Like, for example, instead of saying it's fellowship, just say you have an absolute love and need for friends and and, and getting together and hanging out. It's better to just, but when you try to spiritualize it, you're just using God to justify something you have a desire for, something you have a need for. I think a lot of Christians love the outdoors. That's wonderful. That's great. But we use God. It's God's creation to then justify it. But in reality, maybe we're actually worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Oh, I know it got got really quiet. Oh, it got quiet because I'm in an empty room. Okay, but I'm pretending that people listening to the podcast go, well, maybe. Look, this is something we all have to ask ourselves, right? It's something we all have to ask ourselves. When is God just justifying really another form of idolatry? And why is it that we sometimes choose, listen to me, the lesser over the greater? Why do we tend to choose that which is not great in the place of what is ultimately great? We'll look at some scriptures in a minute, but let me explain what's going on. Today, sitting here in my studio, I have in front of me a new Bible study from Lifeway. It's called the Storyteller Bible Study Series. They have two of them, two of them right now. They have one on Exodus and one on Hebrews. And so throughout the day, I've just opened it up, kind of gone through it. Meditate on some of the questions and just think and think and think and think and think and think and, think and, think and meditate and meditate and meditate. That's what I love. I absolutely love to do that. I don't care. You give me a devotional, you give me a book of any kind. I'm going to read it and I'm just going to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it because sometimes, and so as the more I kept looking at the storyteller, this is from Lifeway. You can look at lifeway.com and look for the Storyteller Bible Study series. You'll see the one on Hebrews and the one on Exodus. They're brand new. And, um, I mean, it's it's a beautiful study guide. I love the material. I love the photo photography in it. It's artistic. It's the material is really good. It's like this glossy kind of, of pages. I don't know if you can hear that. It, it's just everything about it is just well done. I I I love the look of it. All right. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to agree with everything in it, but I don't have to agree with everything in it. If it gets me thinking and meditating on something of the Word of God, I will make sure that no matter whether I agree or disagree, I'm going to benefit from it. So I've been spending the day just thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And the study for today is called The Greatest Revelation. I want you to stay with me. The greatest, the greatest or the greater. Versus that which is least, that which is less, that which is not the greatest. What should you want? The greater or that which is least. I think we have a way of finding things that are not the ultimate thing. We become enamored with it. We love it. We desire it. We have a lust for it. And then somehow, though, we know as Christians, oh, I'm supposed to love God supremely. I'm sub- God's supposed to be first in my life. What can I do? I can bring God and and then refer to these things as being spiritual so that I can say that what I'm actually doing is something godly and spiritual. When in many cases, all you're doing is engaging in a form of idolatry where you just attach God to justify your idolatry. It's really deceptive and, and, well, evil is what it is, but we're all guilty of doing it. Every single one of us is guilty of doing it in some way. I just, I guess I just shoot for... Nope, I, I'm not going to even try to say that this is spiritual. I want to do this. I, want, I love this. I desire this. And I put this probably at, at, at times maybe before God, and I acknowledge it. But no, Christians love to come in with our superpower and go, no, 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 no. I'm doing something spiritual. So let's bring this back to that last illustration I used of nature, of the creation. Because that's exactly where this Bible study starts and in its introduction. I'm going to read just a little bit of it, right? I'm going to read just a little bit of it. It's called The Greatest Revelation. This is page 21 of the Storyteller's Bible Study Guide from Lifeway. You should look it up, lifeway.com. You should look it up. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll send you a link. I was going to buy some uh, do an episode about these study guides and, and and buy some people and give away some copies but we we, we sent out so many uh, sets of reference tools that i don't I don't currently have the money to do that but but we'll, we'll we'll find a way to give away something we're always looking for a way to put resources into your hands so we'll but you can you can get your own if you would like we don't get any money for it but here we go This is exactly how they start. Think about the most magnificent part of creation you've ever seen. Now stop right here. Immediately, the study guide wants us to think about creation. That's why I used nature as the last illustration there. Nature, right? So they want you to immediately start thinking about the most magnificent part of creation you have ever seen. I want you to think about the most magnificent part of creation you have ever seen. You got it? People travel great distances to see firsthand the enormity of the Grand Canyon and the power of Niagara Falls. People spend money, lots of money, sacrifice time to go be in creation. Now, again, for the normal person, oh, I just love being outside. Christians, oh, I'm enjoying God's creation, right? They they're going to they're going to they're gonna somehow make it a spiritual thing. Stay with me. We'll learn how to snorkel so we can explore the beauty of the Great Barrier Reef. We'll drive up narrow passes and endure altitude sickness to experience the most scenic mountain view. We do this because we want to experience something greater. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I don't know if I agree with this. Do people do all of those things sacrifice money and time and effort because they're trying to see something greater or just because they have a love for the creation? They, they like it. They like being out. They like seeing it. They like experience. They're, they're, it brings some joy to them. Now, they say people do this because they want to experience something greater. We want to see glimpses of God. They say people do this because we want to see glimpses of God. I, I, I'm way too cynical and believe in human depravity way too much to igno- believe that. No one seeketh after God. No, not one. People aren't going out there because they want to see God. They, they, they may like the fact that they see something larger than themselves. We could get into a psychological analysis of that. But I think people just love the feeling it gives to their flesh. They like it. They like seeing something new. They like the adventure. They like the out, outdoor. Whatever the case may be, I think it's far more fleshly motivated. They try to attach some great spiritual significance to it, which is what Christians always do. See, So in other words, you can go do all of these things because really what you're wanting to see. As God, you want to experience God. The book of Hebrews begins with a reality that is beyond the wonder of the most wonderful sights on earth. It is the greatest reality of all. Now, this is where I want to go. Stay with me, stay with me. If there is a greater reality, a greater reality beyond all of these, what I will refer to as fleshly alternatives. Maybe we should stop t- trying to spiritualize the fleshly alternatives and be more committed and desire the greater reality over the alternatives. Maybe maybe i don't know if we can ever get ourselves to admit it i don't think i don't think i don't think christians will well, we're going to justify what we do as being spiritual but i think in some cases we're justifying that which is spiritual which is nothing more than an alternative to the actual spiritual reality which we should be ultimately desiring let's see what they do with this let's see let's read just a little bit more god wants to reveal himself to us even more then we want to see him. And he has revealed himself to us through far, to us through far more than his creation. A long time ago, he raised up prophets to reveal himself to people. These men and women were passionate and powerful speakers, but at the end of the day, they were just men and women. Now he has spoken to us in the most superior way of all through Jesus, his son. To see and hear Jesus was to see and hear God in the flesh. Jesus was active in the creation of all things like the Grand Canyon, the ocean reefs, and all those other places we go out of our way to see. And as co creator with God, he is better, he is a better revelation of God than any created thing. Jesus is superior to the prophets. Uh, He is appointed heir of all things. It is through Jesus that God pursues us and all other sinful lost people. Jesus is the absolute fullest revelation of who God is and what he is like. God will never speak to us more clearly than he does through Jesus. We are right to respond with awe to God's creation, but there is nothing more awe inspiring than God himself. Do we really believe there's nothing more awe-inspiring than God himself? Do we really believe God is the greater revelation? Do we really believe God is the ultimate everything? Oh, we say it. We may may lift our hands and sing it in a praise song. We may say it in a prayer. We may say it sitting around in small group. But everything around us says, no, 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 no. We grab onto this and this and this and this and this. And then we spiritualize it so that we feel spiritually justified. But in reality, we've just replaced God with an ultimate alternative with a less than suitable alternative. I don't know if you do order your groceries online, happens to us all the time. We'll order something and we'll have it and what'll be delivered. And you know, so we order our groceries and you can always put, you know, add a substitute. If you can't find it, add a substitute. So many times the substitutes come in. I'm like, what is this? I, I, this is not an adequate substitute. This is not It's not comparable. It's not the same. I'm not going to, what is this? What is this? Well, so many times in Christianity, we go for the alternative, yet we claim it's spiritual so that we feel spiritually superior and justified. See, we don't just, we we just don't have a desire for fellowship or or, or friendship or relationship. We're we're going to pursue, pursue that desire, engage in that, but then call it fellowship because see, now it's spiritual. So people pursue the outdoors, love creation, enjoy creation, want more of it, spend time, money, and sacrifice for it, sometimes willing to do far more than they would ever do to study their Bible. Travel, go without sleep, get up in the morning, walk, all the thing, all the money, but then yet say, oh, I it's it's God's creation. Yeah, all you had to do is throw in it's God's creation and then all of that somehow is justified and somehow you were engaged in some spiritual activity. Instead of just saying, I just want to see it. I just want to enjoy it. Are we satisfied with the alternative, with the substitute? I just grabbed some scripture. Some scriptures and I wrote them down. And I just grabbed... We're uh, really for start in Genesis one one. I think this is a a good one to start with because we all know this one. Genesis one one. Everybody can quote this one. You don't even need my help here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So yes, it is God's creation. But what is superior to creation is the one who created it we should be more we should be more awe inspired by the creator not the creation we should desire the creator more than the creation we should enjoy the creator more than we enjoy the creation but while we're pursuing the created we claim that it's all it's either fellowship or it's this we claim that it's spiritual so that it justifies us never getting to the actual creator but we become content with the substitute How about Psalm 19? Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world in them hath he set as a tabernacle for the sun. So it talks about the heavens declare the glory. So what a lot of Christians say is, see, I go in creation, enjoy creation, because it declares to me God. Creation is simply there. It's like a road sign. Creation is there going that way that way. Don't stop here at the road sign. Keep going. The, the The creation is just there to say, hey, just keep walking. Don't stop here. Don't sit here and look at the road sign. Keep walking because creation points to the creator. And I love the way Psalm 19 is written because it gives us creation. It gives us creation. But then, but guess what? After creation, it takes us to a better revelation, a more full revelation, because you've got uh, Psalm 19 verses 1 through 6, you've got creation, and then starting in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, nature will not convert the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Creation will not make wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's word, God's ultimate revelation is far superior. But we get, no, 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 we always call ourselves, no, I'm doing all of this because, because it's God's creation. You're taking, you're taking the road sign. You're, you're, you're focused on that and you're trying to justify it spiritually when all, when you can't just be honest and go, I think I love this more. I enjoy this more. I get more excited about this. This is what I love. This is what I like. I'll, I'll, I will sacrifice and do more for this than I ever will for the revelation of God found in scripture. How about Romans chapter one? about Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, talks about the wrath of God being revealed, and look at verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him that the creation of the world are clearly seeing, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power of Godhead, so they're without excuse. Once again, the the external things, the created things, are saying, there is a God, there is a God, but don't stop and look at me. Go to God. And where do we learn about God? Well, obviously, ultimately, and the word of God, but we're going we're to get to something else in just a minute, but keep going. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into images made like to... Corruptible men and to birds and to four footed beasts and creeping things. See, they, they begin to change what should belong to God to the creation. They're going to turn to the creation instead of to God. They're going to, they're going to turn to that which is to point to God, and that's going to become the focus where God gives them up to their, their uncleanliness. And look at verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. We find, see, the, the difference between Christians is non-Christians serve the creation, worship the creation more than the creator. They don't like the creator. They don't care about the creator. Christians go to the same creation. We, we love it, desire it. I, it basically becomes an idol, but we justify it and claim that somehow God is connected to it so that we feel, feel spiritual and are I, I, idolatry. That's our Superpower. I didn't go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manner spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. God spoke to people and revealed himself in many different ways in the past, right? Visions, dreams, aud- aud- audible voices, all the different ways. But in the last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom he also made the world. But in the ultimately God's ultimate revelation, the greatest revelation is in Jesus Christ. But Jesus, because Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God. He is God in the flesh. He revealed God. The invisible God was made visible in Jesus Christ in the flesh. That is the greatest revelation, far greater than creation, far greater than everything else. Now let's make it very clear. Jesus is not with us. We can't see him, right? We can't, he's not around us. So you're like, well, then how does that, how do we see that revelation? Through the perfect word of God, which speaks of him and reveals him to us. Well, let's keep going. To describe Jesus being the brightness of his glory, And the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, by, and when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being so much better than the angels, he hath by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name, an excellent name than they. He is the express image of God. He is the greater, superior revelation. So as a believer... We look for all of these substitutes that we're like, oh, but this is spiritual and this is spiritual. We just, we place God to it instead of being all about being put, going and pursuing with reckless abandon, God himself. And we, we come face to face with this revelation through the word of God. There's no other way to come face to face with that revelation. Creation is to point you that there is a God. And then we find out when we find out that there is a God, that his revelation is right here in his word it was shown in Jesus Christ, but we can't see Jesus, who's now at the right hand of the Father. So the only way we, we can come into contact with this revelation is the word of God. Do we desire the word of God above all of these substitutes? I'll read the last paragraph here in this study guide for this page. Jesus is the absolute fullest revelation of who God is and what he is like. God will never speak to us more clearly than he does through Jesus. We are right to respond with awe to God's creation, but there is nothing more awe-inspiring than God himself revealed to us in Jesus Christ. If we want to see God, we must look to Jesus. He is the greatest reality of all. Nothing and no one can bring us closer to God than he can. No, nothing nor no one can bring us closer to God. But we like the substitutes. We like the alternatives. And then claim that it's spiritual when in reality we should be focused on God. Now the very next page of the study guide I'm holding it up to the microphone like you can see is this beautiful picture of this powerful looking waterfall. You see all the rocks of this like hillside, this cliff, and here's the waterfall just pouring down. It's beautiful. It's a great photograph. And then underneath it though, which is bizarre, so the, the whole page is this photograph. And so it's a whole the whole page. And then right under at the very bottom of the waterfall, we see God will never speak to you more clearly than he does through Jesus. And it's somewhat ironic. Here's this glorious picture of creation. Oh, oh, oh no. Don't focus on creation. God will never speak to you more clearly than he does through Jesus, which is in like, I'm not, it's not large. It's not large print in any way, shape or form. So they they give you the image. They show you creation while trying to tell you creation is not how we see God. It is through Jesus. That's how we most clearly see God. Creation points us to God, tells us there is a God. If we want to understand and see God, we look to Jesus, and that revelation is given to us in his word. So my thoughts today is how frequently do we do these things? Number one, we take something that is very fleshly, very mundane, very normal, very just nothing nothing unique or special and we somehow connect Jesus to it to transform it into something spiritual and godly so that we feel spiritual and godly in pursuing and engaging in it when in reality we're just we're just we're just justifying what which is nothing where we're just trying to connect God to something that and make it something that it isn't So so number one, we have a way of just transforming the most mundane, fleshly, common thing into something divine when it isn't. Number two, how frequently do you think we take these things, we desire them, they become a passion, they become something we desire, almost a lust for them. We enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, need more of it, want to spiritualize it. How often do you think we end up really pursuing the substitute in the name of God? And then number three... And we could probably add more here. Number three, how frequently, and number three, how frequently do you think that when it comes to creation, and I think creation is just the ultimate example of this, we walk around saying, oh, no, 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 no. It's about God's creation when reality it's nothing. in reality it's not about God. It's just about our enjoyment of creation, our desire for it, our, our fun that we have with it. And then once again, we spiritualize it. But what we're really doing is we're pursuing something other than God. We're settling for the, uh, the the substitute, the alternative. I think that's something we have to consider. I think it's something we have to consider. Now, there's far more I could say. I'm just going to throw that out there and see if it sparks a conversation because in the study guide, the very next thing after those things that we've read and the things I've talked about, we immediately go to reflections and that's it. So I've given you something to reflect on. And to think about. Now, what's gonna happen? People are gonna like, oh, you're just complaining because you don't like nature and you don't like to go outside and you're just using it as an excuse. No, you're missing the point. What I'm trying to say is here's creation supposed to point us to God, and it's just a very good illustration of what we do in so many other areas. We take something that may not be inherently wrong. It just may be normal, nothing, there's nothing to it, spiritual or divine. We attach God to it just simply to cover up our idolatry. So they're like, oh, I'm pursuing God. Creation is like, oh, I'm going to do all of this to be in nature, but because I'm enjoying God's creation, like somehow now you're doing, creation is supposed to be pointing you to God. Do you have the same passion and desire and discipline for the actual things of God? That's the point. Most people may miss it, but that's the point. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me. It appears that on church one, we did lose connection for a second. I noticed that our, the light had turned red. Have no reason why. We didn't lose any, uh, have no problem on Spreaker. But if you were listening on church one and you, we lost connection for a second, please just wait a few minutes. And the completed audio file without any glitches will be uploaded to Church to uh, Sermons 2.0 in the Church One app here in about 10 minutes. So um, that's one of the reasons we broadcast on multiple platforms. And that's why, why we rely on Spreaker to do the recording, because it seems to be the more sure connection most of the time. Church, the Sermons 2.0, Church One connection is sometimes a little iffy. We still haven't figured out exactly why, but... As long as we got the backup, it's okay. So just want you to know that. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Hopefully this will give you something to think about. And if I accomplish that, then I've accomplished something. Thanks for listening. God bless.